Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. O Lord my God, Thou searchest me. My heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from thy eyes. When I sit down and when I rise, and from afar thou art discerning my thoughts and hopes, my secret yearning. Tell with a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among them. Bless the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, it instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Granted by the same Spirit may be truly wise. Never rejoice in his consolation to the same Christ our Lord. O Lady Fatima, Saint Joseph, Saint Nation Loyola, Venerable Bunland Terry, all God's angels and saints. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Lord be with you. Read it from all the Gospel according to Matthew. When they departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother. Flee to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Stay there until the death of Herod, that what the Lord had said through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. 
When Herod realized that he had been deceived by the Magi, he became furious. He ordered the massacre of all the boys in Bethlehem. And its vicinity two years old and up and under, in accordance with the time he had ascertained from the Magi. Then was fulfilled what had been said through Jeremiah the prophet, a voice was heard in Ramah, sobbing and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children and she would not be consoled since they were there were no more. When Herod had died, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life was dead. He rose, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. When he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go back there. Because he had been warned in a dream, he departed from the region of Galilee. He went and dwelt in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. The Gospel of the Lord. So there's uh, so much that can be said about St. Joseph, whose feast day we celebrated yesterday. So uh, praying over this, I felt the best thing to address for you is because this is a a group of families, is talk about uh, how St. Joseph can help us to protect our families. So that'll be my topic. How St. Joseph can help us to protect our families. So you heard the gospel today that I just read is when Joseph has a dream to get up and to flee into Egypt. Uh, The reason being is that King Herod has already decided to kill all the baby boys two years and younger. So God appears to St. Joseph through a dream and tells him to get up. And he does something that had a very countercultural, going to a country that was basically enemies to the Jews for many years. So what he was doing was... uh, really not not very reasonable. He's got to travel to a country where he, he doesn't know the language. The Egyptians were not friends to the Jews. He doesn't have a job. I mean, it was something that he would, he would have never decided to do using reason in a million years. So St. Joseph is do, doing something that's very countercultural, so to speak. So what he does is that if he did not make that move, uh, most likely Jesus would have been massacred with those other little boys. He would have been killed, most likely. And God could have intervened, but Herod sent out his henchmen and he killed all these little baby boys. So Jesus would have been killed. So the fact that Jesus was saved it was through St. Joseph. It was through St. Joseph. So we have to thank St. Joseph for having saved the Savior so that the Savior could save us. He saved the Savior so that the Savior could save us. So, Let's uh, jump 2,000 years to 2022. 
And let's try to look at our modern society and the dire need for us to have recourse to St. Joseph. Because we're living in a society where there are so many Herods out there. When I say Herod, that means so many dangers that are threatening threatening our family as well as our children. And we've never lived in a society with more dangers and menaces than today. And if you're not aware of that, if you're not aware of that, you're in danger. If you're naive to that, then you're in danger. We as priests, we probably know it more than anyone else because people bring their, their moral refuse to us, so to speak, as confessors as well as spiritual directors. So we may be more keenly aware of it than you, but if you are naive to this, you're lost. And you can't be an ostrich in which you're hiding your head in the sand. That's not the time to do it. So um, what I'd like to do, I'd like to highlight some of the modern Herods that are, are jeopardizing our country, our church, our families, and our world. Okay, so I've written down about five, even though there are more than five. I tried to highlight some of the most salient Herods that are out there today. Okay, the first is this, is in, in this country there's the perennial problem of materialism. There's a perennial problem of materialism. Why has God allowed this pandemic to last almost three years? to try to wean us away from materialism. Okay, I'll give you a, a classical example. If every one of you understand very clearly. When we arrive at Christmas, what are your children thinking about? Be honest. Okay, they're they're thinking about what are the what are the gifts that are going to be given to me from mom and dad and my grandmother, and my grandfather. What are the gifts? And to be honest, this is, you know this is a Catholic school, but we are contaminated by the society in which we live. We're breathing with our spiritual lungs. The Social mores that are that are surrounding us, even though we've gone through a difficult two or three years, still by far this is the most affluent country in the world. It still is. And I'm not saying that having material things is wrong. I'm not saying that that's wrong. But the fact, the, the fact that your children are thinking about gifts and presents and a new phone and a new bike and money, the fact that they're thinking about that more than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. So it's incumbent upon you in raising your children to help your children understand that the center of their life cannot be material things. 
the center of their life has to be our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. He has to be the center of their lives. And you have to keep reminding your children about this. Constantly reminding them. Okay, who was the center of the life of St. Joseph? That's the topic. The very center of the life of St. Joseph was the baby Jesus in the arms of Mary. He was the center. The center of the life of St. Joseph was God in the arms of Mary. So I think it's a good idea every month to do a check on this to see if our children are becoming contaminated by materialism. I have lived in other countries, South America, Europe, I've lived in other places. No? You go to other countries and you compare a Christmas in Argentina or Chile, the United States, there's no comparison. So teach your children, even though they're small, the center of their life has to be Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right. Each of these points, I've tried to put together some type of story to hook this on. A story to hook this on. And... The story would be this, and when Christmas arrives every year, I suggest that you have this in mind. Having studied literature before becoming a priest, often I use literary analogies or allusions which, which can help us understand our Catholic faith better. The best novelist in the world in the 19th century is a man, his name is Charles Dickens. Okay? You've probably heard of him. Charles Dickens. He was an Englishman. Oliver Twist, David Copperfield. But the classic, it's the Christmas Carol. Okay? And that book that he wrote is probably in the history of movies the most, favorite, the most favorite movie that has ever been done has been on, probably done it ten times in the past 60 years. It's called The Christmas Carol. And the major protagonist is a man, his name is Ebenezer Scrooge. So if English is not your first language, if you call someone a Scrooge, an American English, it's pejorative. It's an insult. So I say, you're a Scrooge. I'm not complimenting you. I'm calling you a miser. But the beauty of that story is we see how this man was totally materialistic. You've probably seen the movie in that. Maybe you haven't read the novel, but you've probably seen the movie. It's a great thing for your kids to see. They can understand it. How this man totally, totally immersed in money. Such that he's making Bob Cratchit, Cratchit, his worker who's got that paralyzed little tiny Tim, work until midnight Christmas Eve. Till finally has a dream. And this is very Ignatian, right? A dream of the cemetery where he sees where the ghost Marley is past, his present, and then his future. And he wakes up, and what does he do? He opens up the windows, the snowflakes are falling, and he sees the boy with the sled. My lad, is the fat turkey still in the marketplace? Yes, sir. He throws out a sum of money. The boy grabs under the money, buys the fat turkey, and Ebenezer screws 
goes to celebrate Christmas at Bob Cratchit's and takes little tiny, tiny Tim on his shoulders and he's dancing with glee. Great story. See, going from materialism to what's the opposite? Generosity. My mother, who has nine children and 39 grandchildren, big family, huh? I remember on one occasion she said to me just off the cuff, you know, son, one of the most difficult things for parents to do is to teach the siblings to share. Right? You hear that? To share. If your son or daughter has it, to share that with another sibling, if they do it, that's huge. They don't do it. That's called the effects of original sin. If they are, if they are sharing, okay, you're, you're forming your children well. If they are holding on to it, well, that's the effects of original sin that you have to work against that until they recognize, as St. Paul says, there's more joy in giving than receiving, right? I don't think it's easy. What is one of the famous things they say? That's mine. That's me, right? That's mine. That's mine. So remember that, and with respect to generosity, look at Jesus on the cross. What did he give? He gave every drop of his precious blood for our salvation. Talk about generosity. Every drop, and Jesus is God. Everything in this world comes from God the Father creating through the incarnate word called the Logos, okay? Everything. Look what he gave, his precious blood. So I'm giving you a, a, a philosophical idea. It's called materialism. You've got to be really careful. It's dangerous, no? It's dangerous. All right. The next point I'd like to, to make is this. And this idea can be used in dealing with your children and dealing with everyone in general. There was a, a teacher in Pasadena College that said they want me to talk with the Caltech, which is the MIT of California. I want to talk with those, <laughs> those big guns, the science majors, right? And this was a thought. I would like to talk with them. But I'm not going to be talking about science or math. That's not my forte. But I would talk about something that all of us understand. Is this. The universal call to holiness, but the universal call to happiness. The universal call to holiness, we're all called to become saints, but the universal call to happiness. The Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, was the most happy family in the world. Even though they had very little. They had very little. But they were the happiest family in the world. Okay? You've probably never heard this before, but it's true. You know it's true. You know it's true. They were the happiest family in the world. You're called to form happy family. And if your children do not experience happiness within your family, they're going to look for it outside the family. Hey, you're right around the corner from the gardens, huh? Wine gardens, huh? They're famous for the cholos, no? I've been living there for many years, no? Yeah, I bump, in, I bump into the cholos. 
Wine Guards are famous for the Casino Cholas and St. Peter Chanel too. It's pretty well known, right? <laughs> right, Irma? But this this concept, the, the universal call to happiness, over the past year, this keeps coming back to me because everyone understands this. You want to be happy, don't you? You want to be happy? Or you have a day when you want to be sad? No, we want to be happy always, right? Okay, a story. There was a, a Baptist minister that was preaching against drinking from Mississippi, Baptist, Baptist minister. And he had a very serious problem. A lot of the men were drinking. They were drunks. Borachos. So he pounded away and he said to the congregation, a lot of men were there, if I had all the whiskey in the world, I'd throw it in the river. He said, if I had all the beer in the world, I'd throw it in the river. If I had all the wine in the world, I'd throw it in the river. So he sat down and the choir master got up and he says, for our closing hymn, we will sing, let us go to the river joyfully. <laughs> got it? Let us go to the river joyfully. So following up on that humoristic anecdote, if everyone wants to be happy, why is it that you have so many people that are not happy? And very often teenagers, right? I think it's a good, good question, right? And I think if you really develop this philosophically, theologically, you have a lot of mileage on this with your children, with your work companions. Because even, even the most hardened atheist in the world still wants to be happy. You know, someone commits suicide. Why? He thinks that he'll be more happy non-existing. Someone commits suicide. He thinks happiness would be better if I never even existed. So his, his pursuit in taking his life He's pursuing happiness according to his erroneous concept of happiness. So then what, why, why are so many people not happy when they want to be happy? I'll tell you. Because they're seeking happiness in the wrong place. Hello? Is that true? They're seeking happiness in the wrong place. A woman lost her keys. Probably happened to you. You lost your keys. You're looking in the garage, in the refrigerator, and there they were in your purse. Okay. <laughs> there they were, hidden beneath a lot of things, no? Unless we come to terms with understanding why so many people are not happy, and maybe, maybe our family's not happy, we're never going to move from the unhappiness to the happiness state, from desolation to consolation, as St. Ignatius says, right? From desolation to consolation. We all want to be happy. Now related to the whole idea of materialism, this modern society confuses happiness with pleasure. Is it the same thing? Uh-uh. 
pleasure depends upon external stimuli, right? Right? Pleasure, you can buy it with money. But happiness is what? It is having God within us. Having God within us, that's what true happiness is. If you know anything about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has gifts, the Holy Spirit has fruits. If you're open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Thomas Aquinas says, then you experience the fruits. You're open to the gifts, then you experience the fruits. Peace and joy. And the others. Okay, this, uh, this could be a dynamic you do in your family. Many of you have the little ones, but some of you might even have some teenagers. Maybe even some of the young adults. When I arrived here many years ago, Father Larry, who was the pastor at St. Peter's Snow for many years, he said something that stuck with me after more than 25 years. And he said, I like the idea of taking photos for First Communion. And I was always a little bit opposed to it because it just seemed to be disturbing the, the sacred content of that very special day. You know? But he held his ground and said, you know, look, you take a photo of your little child who's eight years old. And I think you all have, maybe this is maybe before Instagram or or, you, or they made it last year. It's maybe got on your phone. or. But if you look, okay, look at your child who is eight. And then maybe look at your child that's maybe 18. Look at the face. Interesting, huh? Maybe even, okay, maybe even look at yourself because now you've, I think you've gone through a conversion, otherwise I probably wouldn't be here, right? All of you believe in God? You're practicing your faith? Más o menos, right? Okay? <laughs> at least you're trying, right? Maybe you could even look at yourself when you're maybe eight. Yeah, eight, and you look at yourself maybe when you're 20. What do you see? Okay, you see the eight-year-old? You see the glimmer in his eyes? You can see the transparency. You can see the innocence. You can see the joy. You can see the happiness. Right? Hello? Okay, then, as a teenager starting to give in to sin, whatever it might be, drugs, pornography, all those vices that are out there. You look at the face, the glimmer in the eyes is extinguished. The innocence is lost. The simplicity of transparency has evaporated. The joy of living is withered like a flower at midday underneath the sun. It's withered. Why? Because instead, instead of pursuing true happiness, he's pursuing pleasure as his God. Now, I, I, I believe that that could be a means by which you arrive at conversion. Because you look at the photo of the little one, there's innocence and joy. Look at 20-year-olds, it looks, a little, looks like a monster almost, right? 
Ovo je za manstvo, no? Ihole. Bad. It's because the first, the little one has God. The Eucharist Jesus in his heart. Then, he's given up God for a false God. And as Thomas Aquinas, the greatest teacher in the Catholic Church, has said, if you do not, if you do not pursue and find the true God, then you will enthrone on the pedestal of your heart a false God. So true. What did St. Augustine say? You heard of him? What did St. Augustine say? In Confessions. O Lord, you have made our hearts for thee, and our heartsless, hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Confessions. If you like literature, one of the greatest writings in the history of literature in the whole world is Confessions chapter 8, which is the conversion of St. Augustine. It is a literary masterpiece. With St. Augustine, what is he doing? Up until he's 31, right? 31. Not that young, huh? What is he doing? He's pursuing the false god. You know what it was? He was addicted to sex. Very modern, huh? He was addicted to sex. So much so, he said, Lord, give me chastity, but not yet. That's in the Confessions. He, he knew that he had lived a chaste life, but he, he, he wanted it later on when he was 50 or 60, you know? He wanted it, he wanted it, he wanted to have, he, he wanted to have a lot of sex. He lived with a concubine. He had a, he had a kid. This is St. Augustine. So there you have pursuing pleasure and finally conversion, pursuing God. So St. Saint, Saint Joseph uh, teaches us that true happiness, true happiness, is found in love for God. I repeat, true happiness is found in love for God. Okay, now I'd like to address another very pertinent modern Herod and topic that all of us have to confront with honesty and courage. And this is a modern Herod, okay, the, the most serious modern Herod in the country, number one, is the reality of abortion. So abortion is is the first and most serious moral problem in our country. Hey, since Roe vs. Wade, 61 million, that's a lot. Every 20 seconds. I'm giving a mission in Spanish up in Baldwin Park, San Juan Bautista. A few blocks away, you got one of the biggest Planned Parenthood centers in, in California. A few blocks away from the church where, where I'm giving the spiritual exercises. A new one that's probably worth millions of dollars. What did Herod do? What did he do? Killed babies, right? Isn't that what abortion is? Hello? The modern Herod 
is the abortion industry. We cannot do enough to try to defend the innocent child. We can't do enough to defend the innocent child. That's a modern Herod. Tell you a story, then I'll move into the second moral problem. Like 1972, 1973, right around the time of Roe v. Wade, you've heard of Roe v. Wade? When the Supreme Court legalized abortion, January 22nd, uh, 1973. Right around that time, a woman in her 40s in New Jersey went into her doctor's office and she already had a lot of kids and the doctor said you're pregnant in her in, in her 40s no? way, into, way into her 40s and the doctor asked the woman well, what are you going to do she said she's a Catholic woman what do you mean what am I going to do well, you know, you're in your 40s. You already have, you already have a lot of kids. You know, you're, you're in your 40s. And the woman was gravely offended, confronted the doctor, and said, you're a Catholic doctor, you've done abortions. And the doctor was shocked that she confronted the doctor. And she said, I'm never going to come back here again. So she slammed the door, went to another doctor and seven and a half months later she had a healthy, beautiful little girl. Now that little girl is in her 40s by the age of some of you. She's married to a man who graduated from Steubenville. She graduated from Steubenville. She's got eight kids. And her padrino, padrino? Her, her godfather, his godfather is a priest, and the priest happens to be her brother. So that woman, that was my mom. As my mom. She said yes to my baby sister. Now my baby sister <laughs> married with eight kids. Graduated from Steubenville, which is the best Catholic college in the country. She teaches NFP. And I'm her godfather. Mary knows her very well. But how, I, how I, I admire my mother standing her ground and rebuking that doctor. That's a courageous woman. Now she's 91. Still as feisty as ever, huh? Oh yeah, don't, 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 don't take her on. No. You know, five feet tall, no, 105. No. But... You have to defend the child. You have to defend the child. Okay. I think I've got enough time for one more topic. After abortion, uh, this is the moral problem number two. And it's this. It's the acceptance and the promotion and the proliferation of the LGBT agenda. And if you're not aware of this, you are in danger. If you're naive to this, 
when your kid is 16, if he says that he's a, he's a girl, or your daughter says she's a boy, you're going to be partially at fault for that because of your, your lack of education on this topic. Now, the devil exists. And the devil, the, the devil in the United States has three strongholds. Are you listening? Are you? The devil has three strongholds. John Paul II calls it the institutionalization of sin. When he says institutionalization of sin, not just one devil, but a whole rank of devils. Number one, in Hollywood. Okay. Now give an example. Okay. You're from another country, maybe not aware of the fact that Disney, for many years, was family-oriented. You said Disney, right away, fostering family values. When I was brought up and raised, Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and Pluto and the cartoons and this and that, all family-oriented. Now if you watch a cartoon with Disney, you're going to see Mary and Jane kissing each other. And Bill and Tom hugging each other. And your little child that's in kindergarten is watching this. What's going to happen? Your child is watching this, already forming a moral intellectual concept that Jane can kiss Mary, and that's fine. And Bill and Bob can be hugging each other. That's fine. Hollywood is brainwashing your children. Brainwashing your children. Therefore, you indiscriminately allowing your children to watch whatever you allow, whatever they want to see. You do not have my approval. I will, I will rebuke you. I'll take you to task. Because I want to, I want to save your children. If you want to save your children? I'm going to try to save them. You're not going to do it. I'll try to do it in whatever way possible. Stronghold, stronghold in the mass media, in TV, movies, the internet. Okay, another stronghold of the devil is, and this is a no-brainer, in politics. In politics. Are political leaders promoting abortion nonstop? Promoting the LGBT? Those are two of the strongest emphasis of the political leaders in our country. When election time arrived, I never, I have never, ever preached partisan politics. I never will. Never. Because it's not, it's not, okay, you're a Republican, you're a Democrat, you have to be an independent. I never said that in 35 years, and I never will. But on the morality, morality politics, I am very vocal. <laughs> you ever heard my homilies, no? I am very vocal. The point of almost scaring the people away. Very vocal. You're not going to defend the baby and the family the way you vote? You're morally culpable. That could be a matter for the confessional. Well, I'll give you absolution, but do penance. What was the gospel today? Do penance, be converted. Metanoia. Metanoia. So, moving into the second topic. And the third, okay, the third stronghold of the devil, and this, this concerns all of you, why you invited me to come, is in the realm of education. The devil 
has a real stronghold in education. I come from a very big family and my parents, my parents believed in three basic principles. God, family, and education. That's, that's the Boom family. That's us. Our family. God, number one, family, and number three is education. Very strong on that. My father built a Catholic school in New Hampshire, private Catholic school, which academically was the, was the best the best one in the in, in New Hampshire three years ago, academically. I have another brother. Another, my sister has eight children. My my brother has eight children. So, I, especially for an American, huge family which is pretty rare. You know what this brother did? He was able to retire early because he was a CEO of a very successful company and he sold it, so he was able to retire in his 40s. No? So he could dedicate himself. He retired when he was your age, no? which most people can't do that. Why did he want to retire? Not not to simply live a life of ease, but to dedicate himself to education. There in New Hampshire, Portland, he built a private school, private Catholic school, in 10 months. It must be a, it must be a record in the country. Usually it's going to take 10 years at best. How on earth could he do that? He was a CEO of a very successful company and a business genius, right? And knowing how to deal with priests and bishops and political leaders and building codes, all that. You know? And he told me once, because I'm 14 years older than him, brother, when I have an idea in my mind, and I believe God wants me to do it, nothing is going to stop me. And it's true. He had to confront priests and bishops and tons of people, but he, but he, he, he steamrolled them by using intelligent arguments. You know why? He's got eight kids. And most of them are the age of your kids. I'm the godfather of the little one who's only six years old. And you're Sir Padrino, no? He does not want to throw his kids to the dogs. And I've often thought, he's the one that should come to California. He'd be able to do it. And maybe one day he'll come here and start to work on building Catholic schools here, private Catholic schools, to save our kids. He'd be the one to do it. So I think for you, because your primary obligation, your primary obligation is life, and life is to get to heaven and to bring your children to heaven. Amen? Amen. Right? You know, whether or not you live a long life or a short life, you have riches or poverty, a principle and foundation. It's not important. What's important is we've got to get to heaven. We have to get to heaven. So, this, this LGBT agenda is very, very strong. Very strong. And you have to be aware that that's a real danger that your children are going to be confronting in the society in which we live, in the realm of entertainment, as Hollywood, in the realm of politics, whether we like it or not, we got these people that are in head of our, our political country. And then in the realm of education.
So we have to beg Saint Joseph. Beg Saint Joseph for the grace to protect our children. As Saint Joseph protected Jesus and Mary from being slaughtered from Herod. You are surrounded by many, many Herods. I've mentioned three or four, but there are many more. Many more. And it's not a time to be naive. Do you know what that word naive means? In Kenoa. It's not a time to be in Kenoa, naive. It's a French word which means, you know, you're not aware of what's going on in the country. How are you going to confront an enemy if you're not aware that the enemy is knocking at your door? You have to recognize the enemy is knocking at your door so that you can close the door with lock and key. So I, I make three suggestions. One is to pray the rosary every day. Don't give any excuses that you don't have any time. I prayed four yesterday and I'm probably much busier than you are. I prayed four. I don't, none of you should say, I don't have time to pray the rosary. Pray the rosary. This Friday, Pope Francis is going to be consecrated to Ukraine and Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, right? Did you know that? Well, what does Mary want? Oh, this is Our Lady of Fatima, right? Do you know anything about Our Lady of Fatima? That's the name of the school, right? <laughs> she said, pray the rosary six times. May, all the, so don't, and, and hey, we've we got fathers here. The father, you're the one that has to take the ball and run, not the wife. Hey, you hear me? Now, not to say Monday alone, but you know, take the ball and run, huh? Hey, fathers, take the initiative. That's one. Number two is this. Okay, talk to your children. Get off the phone. Get off the phone. Bury the phone. Talk to them the way I'm talking to you. What's more important, the screen or the human face? Hello? Human face is much more than the plastic screen. Get off the phone. Get off it. Talk to them without the phone every day, at least for 15 minutes. You got four cages an hour, okay? <laughs> I'm not good at math, but I know that. Hmm? Every day. Talk to them individually. No phone. Take a walk with them. You know, your children, they want you more than anything else. They want your time. How do you show you love a person? In the American society, it's money. It's buying. That's wrong. You show you love someone by giving that person time. Hello? You give the person time, that is love. Give them time. Talk to them, listen to them, encourage them, correct them, get to know your kids. Otherwise, they're going to be graduated from high school and that rock and roll song, The Cat in the Cradle of Harry Chapin, is going to be your life. You're not even going to know your kid by the time you graduate from high school. Talk to him. And then go to Mass and receive communion as often as possible. Okay? Being in the state of grace, of course. Maybe you've got to go to confession. If you do that, you can be like St. Joseph, and you will be able to save your children. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. Amen. In the intercession of St. Joseph, may God bless you. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So 
there at the door if you'd like to buy. There was a mistake that I've written not two books, but three books. So if you'd like to buy one of the books I've written, uh, there at the door you can do that now. Okay? Okay, there are also handouts. Those are free of charge on an article that I wrote on St. Joseph, which was published in Catholic Exchange. So uh, you can have those handouts for free, but you, you got to give something for the books, okay? I certainly am. Okay. Well, you were already into the sixth week, okay? Yes. Oh, yeah. We're doing this. Yes.